1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12 month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary, discounts not available in all states and situations. All right, so uh, Sims put out a tweet yesterday morning. What are the best, silliest, weirdest, dumbest sports bar debates you've gotten into? We'll answer the best ones on the next pod. So we've co-opted that for this show. Yeah. Apparently, this is an outgrowth of the how many Aaron Donalds. Oh, wait. How many Florios would you rather fight than Aaron Donald?
2: Yeah. Was, These are common themes on my podcast where we bring up stupid stuff I got stuff some like negative on, uh,
1: feedback on the fact that, that we actually wasted time on the show talking about that. Uh, there well, were some people yeah. who didn't like you,
2: that. You need to change your email, okay? And stop worrying about that Let me tell you this. Let me tell you this.
1: We could give out. We could travel through time, get the winning Powerball numbers, come back you're right. and give them out on the show, and there would still be people who complain. Oh, you're you're exactly right. And they'd be like,
2: You're an idiot. They're wrong. I still I won fifty million from the Powerball, but you were wrong. I
1: mean, yeah, it's just the way it's the way the world is right now. I don't know. And that's that's been I I, I remember with the website years ago I used to say I could give out hundred dollar bills and someone would complain they're not crisp enough. Yeah. That's just, that's yeah. just that's just the way the way we are. And it hasn't gotten any better over the last 12 years. That's for damn sure. Okay, so here we go. At Poldacre, Phil and Eli should both be in the Hall of Fame based on Troy Aikman getting in. Look at the numbers. And Troy had a lot more help. Maybe the greatest offensive line in NFL history and the all-time leading rusher. Now, look, Troy Aikman's passing numbers, not great, but he's got the three Super Bowls. He was the quarterback of one of the great Dynasties, one of the last dynasties of the pre-free agency era. Right. The Patriots are the only one since free agency. Um, look at the numbers. I, you know, I, yeah. If 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 he's in, why? We, I I think Eli Manning's getting in because his yeah. name's Manning, right? And I think Peyton's already started lobbying the voters to get Eli in. Phil's the one that could make the argument. Yeah, if, if Troy's in, Phil should be in. Yeah, but Phil ain't ever going to make the
2: argument. You know, Phil's just not that way. He's not one that's going to politic and do that type of stuff. I, listen, you, you, uh, obviously, I'm biased to this this one. Yeah, there's a few quarterbacks I could look at through the through history and go, well, I think it's pretty close. If he's in, maybe my father should be in. You know, but either way, Troy Aikman deserves to be in. We know that. I don't care about the team or anything like that. Listen, you know, Joe Montana won four Super Bowls. Last time I checked, he kind of had a good players around him, too. I mean, it's part of it. So he wasn't asked to necessarily carry the team with his right arm all the time. But he also, I could argue and go, man, the style of football he was asked to play sometimes, even like my father is hard for a quarterback. Oh, run the ball on first. Run the ball on second. Hey, it's third and ten. Can you throw a rifle in there now? I mean, that's what Troy and my dad had to do a lot of the times. It wasn't about just getting the shotgun and do that. So, hey, I think of my dad. You know, I'm with you. I think Eli gets in. um, I think it's on the fence, just like my father a little bit. I think my dad would be in if he played in that second Super Bowl and got to play and win that against the Buffalo Bills. I don't think there's any doubt. But, like, Aikman, Namath. Kurt Warner, you know, I look at those guys to go, I think my dad's right there with them, and, you know, I, I know not everybody agrees with that.
1: Well, in a team sport, it is a huge impact what team you end up on. Yes. And, uh, hey, look, Phil could have been on a team that won zero Super Bowls, or he could have been on a team that won four. Yep. And and right place, right time has a lot to do with it. But but I, his numbers and his achievements, what he did in Super Bowl twenty one you could argue, in and of itself, deserves consideration. It was one of the all-time great single-game performances in NFL history.
2: It, it, yeah. it was. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, again, it, there's a lot of things we can sit here and be positive with Big Phil about, certainly. I mean, they had a, a run of the playoffs. You know, the Giants were in that cream-of-the-crop teams that we talked about where they were one of the five or six teams that could win the Super Bowl every year. And, of course, they were playing in the toughest division in football. I mean, maybe the toughest division in the history of football. That's where I think people, you know, that. And then he had to also play the 49ers every year and deal with that and all that. So uh, I, I don't know. I, in my heart of hearts, I don't think my dad will ever get in now at this point. It's just not sexy enough, anything like that. But, uh, of course, you know, I, I think he should be.
1: I thought of something while you were talking about your dad's accomplishments, and it reminded me of something that someone pointed out yesterday. That gives us the parallel to Matthew Stafford. Remember, we were trying to figure out who, who, if anyone, was a quarterback that played for a crap team and then ended up on a great team and had a dramatic change in his career. And I thought of this guy because you mentioned two Super Bowl wins. Well, there's one quarterback who has two Super Bowl wins who ain't in the Hall of Fame. I know. And Jim Plunkett, right? And he's the guy. He's the guy that toiled with bad teams before he landed in Oakland. And was it, it was Oakland before they even went to L.A. That's how long ago it was, yeah. before they went to L.A. the first time and won a couple of Super Bowls with the Raiders. I mean, that's one I've never understood.
2: You know, Jim Plunkett won two Super Bowls. Like, I, I know his stats and everything aren't going to look that great, but, like, your point's real. Nobody's stats are going to look that great with some of the teams he had to play on. He played on the crappiest of the crappy teams in the NFL. Then he got to another team that was better and could support his talents a little bit. And, yeah, he wins a Super Bowl with Oakland. And the second one, I think, was L.A., right, in 83? They were the L.A. Raiders in that one. But, like, yeah. The Jack Squire game. Yeah, right. I never understand any of that. I mean, Tom Flores just got in. What? He just got in? He won two Super Bowls. He's just getting in? That makes no sense at all so I I don't get that sometimes I don't get you know who gets in or why this guy got in first or last or anything like that Um, but it seems like two Super Bowls is pretty much a baseline like for quarterback if you have that you get in and Jim Plunkett
1: is never discussed Here's another question as it relates to Phil Sims Uh from ATTW Steve. In the early 90s, I argued that your dad was a better statistical quarterback than Joe Namath against a bar full of oiled-up Jets fans. They yelled me. They out-yelled me, but I was right. Still am. Let's see the stats to compare the Joe Namath career and the Phil Sims career. Now, look, Namath played in a different era. Yeah. But but like, there's no comparison in the stats. Injuries cut his career short. He was the first guy to ever throw for 4,000 yards. And he made the guarantee. Super Bowl three right. legitimized the AFL. Big deal. Biggest moment in NFL history at that time. For the Jets to pull off that win, and I think that that that, that yeah. carries him. and having white shoes that helps you get there too. Yeah,
2: you you can't you like tell the story of the NFL without Joe Namath, and that I mean it was he just got some unbelievably marquee special moments. Yeah, when I mean, you look at his career as a whole, it's underwhelming. I mean, he threw 47 more interceptions than he threw touchdown passes, so he wasn't exactly the greatest decision maker in the history of football either. But man, I you know it, it's again. The Hall of Fame is about elite, and he was he had an elite arm, a quick release. He was like the Dan Marino of his day. Like, whoa, I've never seen a guy get the ball up and out with that kind of power, you know, uh, and, and just looks different. And that's what he was. Let alone he had the bravado to go along with it, the guarantee, everything like that. But yes, again, that's why I said his name before. You know, I I do believe my dad is in that class. You know, I don't know everybody else is going to believe that, but that that's at least what
1: I believe. One thing I noticed that I'd never noticed before in those clips we just played... What what was up with the referee? Was he trying to to, to lift Joe Namath's wallet? Did you notice that? No, he's I like got... right on top of him and backpedaling. Uh, like the referee is positioned pre-play now, a good what seven yards behind the action. Yeah, you see you see the referee like the referee's right up on Joe Namath and he's backpedaling as Joe Namath goes into his drop. I, I just notice never it. noticed that before, and I saw it twice. That's
2: it's hilarious. In that I did not notice it, but uh, Joe Namath again. Yes, I think my dad should be in the Super Bowl. I mean, in the Super Bowl. He was there in the Hall of Fame. But I, I certainly am not making the case that Joe Namath does not. What's the referee deserve. here? Yeah. What's
1: the referee? Where? Well, maybe. maybe. Oh, there he is. Uh, yeah. maybe, maybe maybe I. But there's he the was the next doing a little one. shuffle along with one. him, like, so he could the, see. The next better. one, there's more of a backpedal. Where is he? Where is he? Oh yeah, he's uh, close enough know. there. I see hey, him though. I saw. Yeah. Uh, uh, okay. It, it was. It was. You know what? It would have been better if we hadn't shown it. it <laughs> but <laughs> I was wrong. But, I, I admit. I admit I was wrong. Okay. Go ahead. No, I, I got nothing else to say. I mean,
2: he, Na, Namath just has those, a few of those marquee moments that are just too special, and that's why he got in the Hall of Fame. Definitely. Uh, there's no doubt. Yeah. You know, he he was special. Hey, that there's way. still
1: hope for Phil. There's still hope for Phil. Yeah, but I, Phil's like the kind up. of Senior guy committee. that's like.
2: Oh, I didn't get in. The hell with it. Screw the screw the Hall of Fame and all that. Like it's just he just he's not not that he says screw it, but he just is like he's not going to call call people. Try to get other media members to put themselves out there. You know, again, look behind the curtain. This is kind of what goes on at the hall of fame, other than like the Peyton Mannings and the Brett Favre's the world. They don't have to call anybody. We know that, but like the rest of these people are putting together a campaign to get into the hall of fame. They all do. It's all a part of a big process. And that's where big Phil, you'll, you'll never see him do that. He won't.
1: Let me just say this, and this is not going to be a popular comment for, for some, but I'm going to say it because it's the truth to me, the pro football hall of fame was a very magical, mystical, yeah. special idea until I went there. <laughs> and that's that changed it all. It's like, what's what's the, what's the big deal? It's a museum. And it really isn't that nice. And I know they've put a lot into it in the past 10 years. I was there in 2005, and I was stunned at how ordinary it was. Um, now, the room with all the bus is a big deal, but look, it's... It's a museum in a small town in Ohio, and its existence is driven by having a ceremony every year where they put a bunch of new busts in, and that's it. And it, there's, It's a team sport, I, 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 and, and your dad's got the right attitude. It really doesn't matter. What matters is the Super Bowl ring. What matters is what he experienced. What matters is his career, and it doesn't need to be validated by a, a bust of that Messed up hairdo that he had at Moorhead State. <laughs> yeah, know exactly. Although that would be that would, that would be, be a very bust. good bust.
2: <laughs> it really would be. They have a hard time figuring that out on uh, that piece of bronze or whatever that ugly hairdo he had.
1: <laughs> it's gonna take a lot of bronze. You're gonna have a lot of extra bronze to do the Phil Sims hairdo from the 1970s. All right, Mitch, Mike, Matt, and. I have a feeling this is Matt Casey's burner account. The Vikings should have kept Case Keenum instead of signing Kirk Cousins. Trust me, lots of Vikings fans just don't get it. Hey, look, you don't, you don't need to hear it from me. I've already said it. They should have stuck with Case Keenum. He took him to the brink of the Super Bowl. He showed he could get it done. They could have kept him for a hell of a lot less money than what they paid Kirk Cousins. And what have they gotten out of Kirk Cousins in three seasons? One playoff appearance. Big deal.
2: Yeah. I, 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 there's certainly a case. It's certainly the great case of, like, you know, I, I think we over-exaggerate the importance of the franchise quarterback and all of that. That That's one that would jump out to go, well, you know, Kirk Cousins is really good. You're right. But I don't know if it's necessarily translated to any better results for that football team for the most part than what they would have got from Case Cannon. Like, obviously – He's better than Case Keenum. I do believe that. There's no doubt. I mean, he's underrated, I think, as a thrower and some of the big plays he makes with his right arm, you know. But I I don't know if he's, yeah, special enough to where I would have abandoned ship with what Case Keenum was doing to go, wait, we don't want you and we want another guy that's, yeah, better and we're going to pay him $20 million more per year and make it harder to support the quarterback with the rest of our team and all that. I mean, I, I hear that the case there. I do. You know, I think there's, there's too much of that in the NFL. It's always looking for, oh, let me find the quarterback. The quarterback, we got the quarterback, so you can't blame us. That's how we got the quarterback. No, just build the freaking team, and the quarterback will look good. Uh, too, too, too many times it's, it's switched around or backwards.
1: What a weird time that was. The Vikings almost get to the Super Bowl. They have Teddy Bridgewater, Case Keenum, and Sam Bradford all become free agents. They sign back none of them. And go get Kirk Cousins and make him, at the time, the highest paid player in league history. Easy money chives. My friend and I got into a physical altercation because I said Ed Reed was better than Brian Dawkins, which is just a factual (laughs) statement. This one's not going to be easy for me. I don't know. I think they're the same. They're different in what they bring to a team, but I'd take either one, wouldn't you? Uh, Definitely. Either one, no doubt about it. I mean, they're both in the
2: conversation for the best safeties in the history of football. Uh, I think when I just off the top of my head here, and I know I'm going to forget people, but, you know, Ed Reed, you know, uh, Brian Dawkins, Troy Palomalu, Ronnie Lott, right? Those, I think, are the four that come to my mind right off the bat, at least from my era of growing up and everything like that. And then, whew, man, I, I mean, I played against all of them. I, I don't know. I I, I guess I'm going to give the advantage to Ed Reed. It's close. Brian Dawkins is better in the run game, but Ed Reed was so special in the pass game, and the pass game was what was the most essential part of football when he was playing. Probably right. where I give Ed Reed just the a little advantage there.
1: That that guy that makes you hold on to the football exactly. for another half second right. just to make sure you, you know where he is. I, I That would always be my concern with Troy Polamala because you never know where he's going to no. pop up. So you end up holding on to the ball a little bit longer and you get hit. Yeah. Yeah, Oh, it's it's that's the impact of having a great safety like that in the back end. Definitely. They can do so many things. They're great
2: erasers. Those guys. I mean, they could be down there in the box playing linebacker. You say set hut. They have enough speed and ability to get back and now play the cover two safety and get back there. And man, we called a play because he was down here to stop the run. And now he's talented enough to get back there in coverage. And we're screwed. I mean, it was torture preparing uh, for Ed Reed and Troy Paloma. I didn't really have to prepare for uh, Dawkins. I played with him. I know what he's all about and everything like that. But, like, yes, you never knew where Ed Reed and Palomar were going to go. They didn't always follow the the called play on defense either. That's what was scary. I mean, Ed Reed, I have a game in, in 2006 to lead off the year. It's covered, too. He's on that side of the football field. I say, Seth Hutt, I'm going to throw a slant route over here to Michael Clayton for, like, a six-yard gain. I'm getting ready to throw it. And the ball's coming out of my hands, and I'm going, oh, like, you know, one of those where you're like, please come back, ball, because Ed Reed was over there. He just he just had a hunch and went for it, and he should have picked it off. He dropped the ball. But, yeah, it just that, that's scary as hell as a quarterback when you don't know where the hell that guy's going to be.
1: It's that instinct that's the product of talent, and film study and preparation yep. and recognition and it all comes together in that moment. And you do get that hunch and you're willing to act on it. You know which ones to act on and which ones to ignore. The one thing about Brian Dawkins though, that presence. Oh, it's real in a locker room. It's that real. presence Ooh. before a game. I remember there was one of the Madden games where they have him at the beginning. Can you feel that? Yeah, you know, yeah. and it just it, and it it gets you. It gets you fired up just powering up the stupid Madden game. I can imagine what he can do to a a team as they're getting ready to take the field.
2: Oh, please, let me let me tell you what he can do. I mean, it, it's it's one of my great memories of my NFL career. Is Brian Dawkins. It's it was unbelievable. First off, I, you know, me, I'm a fan. I was like, "Man, Brian Dawkins is on our team. He's awesome. This is so cool. Hall of Famer, everything like that. Couldn't be nicer." I mean, all week you know, hey, Chris, how you doing? Yeah, bless you. But, you know, he just couldn't be a softer, <laughs> more quiet guy. Then you walk in the locker room in Denver on Sunday morning, and we might have a 2 o'clock game, right? And we're getting there. It's 1130. He's already taped up, got his pants on, and he's, woo whoa, whoa and, and he's doing cartwheels around the locker room, and he's getting in Wolverine positions and squatting down and jumping around. Like, it's the most unbelievable game day transformation I saw from any player. And then the next day, he was back to, like, church school Brian Dawkins
1: on a Monday uh, amazing it really was <laughs> it is amazing and uh, look hey you, you can't go wrong with either guy but i like oh. what you said about Reed and Paulamalo what they can do in the past game ben 921 what would Aaron Rodgers have done oh. in the New England Patriots system and let's uh, let's do it broadly the full patriot way the full Bill Belichick experience although i think Bill Belichick would have he would have changed his approach that he used on Tom Brady if he had Aaron Rodgers yeah. in the building
2: yeah I, I listen I, I that's a valid question though you know how he would handle the the culture of New England it's certainly not as free and they don't let the quarterback become king there like Aaron Rodgers is in Green Bay or Brett Favre was before him um, listen but it, if it's
1: Aaron Rodgers maybe you do it reminds me to a degree, yes. I mean, but right. Bill Belichick had one of the most special players of all time, so he let Lawrence Taylor do whatever he wanted to do. Whatever. I think if you have a quarterback who is undeniably better than any you've ever seen, you 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 throw your rule book out the window, and the Patriot way can take a hike.
2: That, that's right. There would be more of a leash for Rodgers. There would be. I mean, yes, you're right. Talent talks. Rodgers, you say what you want or whatever. Go back, as I've always said, and listen to any time New England plays Green Bay. All Bill does is wax poetically about how awesome Aaron Rodgers is. It's all he does. And, I mean, it's, it's like, real. So, uh, you know, that that's that's understandable. But, like, yeah, Bill can adjust to anybody. I mean, we've seen some of the characters they've had there, definitely. And I think he can always find the right balance. I mean, yeah, you said it. He was with Lawrence Taylor. I mean, has there been any more of a misfit in a locker room in the history of football than Lawrence Taylor? And I say that respectfully. I mean, he had a sleeping bag underneath the film room screen because they knew maybe he was out partying all night and they let him lay on the floor and sleep in the sleeping bag during meetings as Bill would coach the defense to everybody. You know, I've, I've heard stories from all my dad's teammates where, you know, Bill, you got it, Lawrence, and he's laying down. He, yep, got it. Uh, and, you know, he's back asleep. I mean, so, yeah, I think he could handle Rodgers. And Rodgers, I think, you know, again, you're tr- I mean, this guy's trying to get me killed by the New England fan base. But they would win six super bowls with Aaron Rodgers and of course I believe they would win more. Rodgers has been in simple non-schematical creative type offenses really until these last two or three years. You heard my complaints when we started working here. You know, there's things where he doesn't even know what he doesn't know. He he'd see plays with Tom Brady and go, "Oh, that's what you, I I can't believe that's how they're coaching it up. That's how you got that guy open all the time, all of that type of stuff." So, man, Rodgers in New England yeah, I'm prone to go like if he was in New England, they'd be on a twelve peat right now. That's what I would want to say to that.
1: Um, I, I guarantee you this. I I don't think Bill Belichick ever called Lawrence Taylor a complicated fella, and I guarantee you he would not call Aaron Rodgers that. No, um, yeah. and 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 he's always got his players' backs too. That's the other thing. I mean, he may rip you in the film room or on the practice field. But one of the reasons he's grumble, grumble, grumble when it's time to talk to reporters, he never wants to give any negative assessment of any of his players. He'll handle that privately and separately. All right. Uh, Laudry, Landry, Landry Snyder, can the best college football team ever beat the worst NFL team ever? The answer is no. First, we have to agree On the best college football team ever and the worst NFL team ever, I'd say the worst NFL team ever was the 76 bucks. Is that fair to say? Uh, You're probably right. I mean, I was not
2: alive.
1: You're right. But I I would
2: guess. I, I mean, to me, in my era, I'm more of that Lions team or that Browns team. But I think like, yeah, historically, you're probably right. The 76 bucks.
1: No. G- given that that Coach John McKay was asked about his team's execution and said, "I'm in favor I'm of in it." I'm in favor. It. I'll I'll break the tie and go with the Tampa Bay Bucks, who ended up. I think they lost 14 in a row, and then they lost a bunch more their second season. They had the all-time I think streak L- of yes, losses. They but did. Who's the best college team? Who's the best college team of all time? Who would we put up against the 76 Buccaneers? Man, I, 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 mm,
2: I, I mean, I I guess my mind goes to. Those early two thousand Miami Hurricane teams, maybe the USC teams, and maybe, yeah, maybe yeah, one of them, maybe the Florida team that Tim Tebow was on. I don't. It's up there, but excuse me. What I would say to that is no, the best college team ever cannot beat the worst NFL team ever. I, no, because the biggest thing is even as great as those NF those college teams are. There's still a number of players on the roster that never will play in the NFL. Never. And then all these guys on those Bucks teams or these bad teams we're talking about were all the best players on their college teams and all of that. So that's where it'll be different, let alone you're dealing with grown men who know how to play the game better compared to young kids who are still learning and doing stuff like that too.
1: I think you're absolutely right. There will be a weakness to exploit. There will be multiple weaknesses to to exploit on that college team with NFL-caliber players who just happen to be on the worst team in the NFL. They're still NFL players. And, uh, yeah, you you take the NFL coach who's going to spot those weaknesses on the college team, and it's going to blow everything up, and the college team isn't going to be able to do the things it wants to do. I agree with you on that. All right. Laughing Beaver 4, if you had 100 swings, could you hit a home run over the green monster? I'll say no for me. Could you? Well, I'm a lefty, so I have to go opposite field there.
2: But I would like to think that, yes, I could. Uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, I am 6'5, I'm over 230. You know, I do have a little strength and muscle in me. I know I played baseball growing up and everything. I'd like to think I could. I know that's not easy. Um, I opposite field. I'm not going to do it, obviously. But if the green monster was to my right side, I I I would like to think I could. Yes, I don't know. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I I number one, I'm also left handed, and number two, uh, I just I know I couldn't do. It. I, I maybe there was a time. Maybe if I had a hundred swings and they were groove right down the plate, maybe. Yeah. Probably not. Right. Uh. Probably not. <laughs> All right. Um. I, I do have to mention this one because I've been noticing it the entire half hour. Els meat is kurt russell a poor man's patrick swayze or is patrick swayze a poor man's kurt russell they're very <laughs> good question you know, deep thoughts i don't it's know It's like how many licks to get to the center of a tootsie roll tootsie pop what do you By, the say they
2: never know what do you say what is what's your what's your thought there
1: um i would say acting chops length of career range of characters yes. Kurt russell is better then Patrick, Patrick Swayze's Swayze is a poor so man's Swayze Kurt Russell. Poor man's Kurt Russell. Kurt yeah. Russell is one of the underappreciated actors of our time. I'm, that's I, what I. That's what I
2: said. I'm. 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 I'm with you there. I think I would go more of the uh, Patrick Swayze is a poor
1: man's Kurt Russell. What? And and I got I got I got an, I got a soft spot for Kurt Russell. My dad used to take me to Kurt Russell Disney movies in the early '70s. That's how long Kurt Russell's been around. That's how long. I've been around. What movies he used were to they? Take me, oh, oh, they, trust me. I'll 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 send you the list. Kurt World's Strongest Man, for example. Ah. Yeah, um, yeah, I don't they, know. There were all there were multiple Kurt Russell, young Kurt Russell, Disney movies. I think they're all on the Disney Plus service. We still encourage Peacock. But stop. Just stop. It's a it. 70s you know, show you're talking about. Sorry. But but uh but anyway, and and then Kurt Russell. In the Hateful Eight, his role in that was uh, was incredible. Yeah, it was pretty um, cool, right? So he's been yeah. in some cool movies. Yeah. All right, let's no take doubt. a break.
2: I loved Over the Overboard with Goldie Hawn. That was my favorite one growing up. It was amazing.
1: All right, more PFT live right after this. <laughs> Stop the piano!
0: Oh, it turned it up louder.
3: Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches, but there's only one Mc Crispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.
1: We spent some time yesterday talking about the landmark U.S. Supreme Court decision that basically... Calls the ncaa's entire business model an antitrust violation and now on the docket for the ncaa is what to do about the name image and likeness rules six states as of next thursday have nil rules that become effective i saw this in sports business journal ncaa president mark emmert wants the ncaa's d1 council they got together yesterday they're getting together again today Emmert wants them to pass rules for name, image, and likeness that will apply to all member institutions and that will be more restrictive than the laws in the six states that become effective on July 1. And that is beyond asinine to me. And that tells me that Emmert, who's in charge of this organization that essentially is dead in the aftermath of Monday's ruling, as it relates to any effort to regulate and Enforce rules that apply to the various members regarding what players can and can't receive. It's useless at this point. I think Emmerts in denial about what Monday's decision meant. Monday's decision means the NCAA it's, is dead. It's
2: over, right? And they're
1: gonna be and they're gonna be more dead if they try to restrict the ability of players to go earn money off of their fame at a time when the Supreme Court's made it clear that this whole ruse of we have to protect amateur athletics is just cover for fixing your labor prices yeah i I mean it it, it seems like final
2: like game over checkmate and and like mike explain this to me a little bit like so wait he wants to change the rules and basically what not listen to the supreme court and change the rules to make it harder on the people that the supreme court just ruled on that shouldn't have these issues am i understanding that the right way
1: The Supreme Court's decision was very narrow, so they can play dumb and say, "Okay, well, as it relates to recruiting, the schools now can't be restricted by NCAA rules when it comes to giving them something more than the undergraduate educational experience, laptops, other study aids, law school tuition, other graduate offerings, other educational things that they can offer. That's what that lawsuit was about. But the Kavanaugh concurring opinion makes it clear which way the wind's blowing. The whole thing is an antitrust violation. The entire exercise of saying we're not going to give these kids anything more than what we agree the limit is. We set the limit on what they can get as we rake in billions because our fans want to watch amateur athletes. They value that, which is just bogus on its face. Yeah. But to, to advance that ridiculous position, they want to have these name, image, and likeness rules that restrict the ability of someone to say, I'm going to go sign autographs and get paid for it. I'm going to sell jerseys. I'm going to sell gear. I'm going to sell shoes. I made the point yesterday, Arch Manning, the grandson of Archie, right. nephew of Peyton and Eli, he's in a position right now to start making money if he wants to. And he's got one of the great businessmen of all time and Peyton Manning who can help him. Hey nephew, come on, let's go make some money off of your name. Off of your you are Arch Manning and you're one of the most highly coveted recruits and yeah, you're 7 years away from getting paid in the NFL. We can go get paid right now. And any restrictions that the NCAA places upon the member organizations when it comes to that, it's an antitrust violation. It is. It's over. And it's only going to get expensive and more expensive. For the NCAA and these schools to fight the lawsuits, pay out judgments, I I hope that this is just the NCAA working through the five stages of grief and they will quickly come to the acceptance that they're dead. The NCAA as it relates to regulating what schools can and can't do when it comes to its recruits is dead.
2: Good. I'm glad. It needs to go by the wayside in my decision. It makes no sense to me, that whole thing. I mean... Oh wait, the Supreme Court ruled on something. It has to change. Wait, we're going to make the rules harder. Like yeah, I mean, just they're, they're, what, that's not going to stop players from, you know, still pursuing, you know, like you said, autograph things or anything like that. And if they are you know, uh, slapped on the wrist or get, get put on probation by the NCAA or something like that, that you're right. I mean, that's a, an automatic lawsuit that I don't see how wor- how it works in the favor of the NCAA. So I don't know where this goes. The NCAA has bothered me and pissed me off for a long time. Um, so I don't know. What, what are we going to get into, like just the conferences themselves, kind of governing and ruling well-
1: yeah. But, but if the conference has come together yeah. and set rules, that's an antitrust violation too. Each school's got to come up with his own rules. Somebody asked me yesterday, what advice would you give a coach as to the advice that he should give his players? The advice is mind your own damn business. It's not your business. Your business isn't what these guys do if they have a separate business that they're creating where they're making money off of their fame. That's not your business. Stay out of it. And I think that's what these schools should do, and it's definitely what the NCAA should do. Let's go ahead and take a break. When we return, Today's draft, the all-time team, the players we would want in their prime, all-time. We're going to hash that out when PFT Live continues right after this.
3: Bryson, this is for you.
1: So it's Tom Brady with a long putt. Julian Edelman says CGI has come a long way. I wonder how many times he had to do it. I wonder how many times he had to hit. Did he do two that went in? Oh, yeah, that's his social media team. Social media team. Tom Brady's social media team. Who do he think he is, Ty Webb?
2: They are good. Yeah.
1: All right, uh, I'm excited to watch. So, that,
2: though, I am excited to watch the golf a little bit. I watched last yeah, year. It'll be fun so to am see I. him, and Rod. Yeah, so am I go on. again. I can't, you're, I can't you're doing wait. that again. Okay, fine, fine, fine. Yeah, I can't wait.
1: I finally mastered it. Oh yes, I'm definitely going to watch. <laughs> yeah. uh, it. Maybe I will. Maybe I will just to see when and if Aaron Rodgers makes some sort of snarky comment toward Mark Murphy or Brian Gutekunst. I may be monitoring. I may have people monitor that. Why don't you monitor it and let me know? Okay, then I don't have to watch. It. All right, fine. I'll let. I'll monitor. I'll still it, be recovering. You know. I'll still be recovering from having my my vampire tooth removed from my skull. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, you're still growing teeth at at 56 years old. Very (laughs) very funny. (laughs) Okay. Uh, So this is inspired by Go Longhorns 5. There's a draft of all players from any era in their prime, of course. 32 teams, 12 rounds, with free agency to follow to fill out rosters. You have the first overall pick. Who do you choose and why? So what we're doing now is we're going to begin filling out our teams with our back-and-forth draft, based on this idea that they're players in their prime, who are we taking? Here's the question for Sims to determine whether or not he gets the first pick. Kurt Russell had a minor league baseball career before becoming an actor. Which baseball movie screenplay was originally written with him in mind? Wow.
2: Gosh, it can't be major league. That certainly doesn't seem like that would be. I'm going to say major league. I'm going to go with that.
1: Womp, womp. the
2: natural what is it no it can't be that I thought it was Bull the natural Durham? you know what it, you know the
1: first when I saw the question the first thing I thought it was a league of their own I could have seen him being the manager oh, right. Of, uh, of right right women's team in a league of their own instead of Tom Hanks but but Bull Durham okay um all right I get the first pick good I don't want the first pick um I'll take well, it well if I want but no, I'm taking it. I'm taking it. You're gonna like it. You're gonna like it. It's a guy you're jealous of. Give me Tom Brady. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, give me, give me. To, I want, I want everything that goes with the Tom Brady experience on my team because he's going to be the leader to bring all these guys together. He's going to be the quarterback of the team. He's shown that he knows how to put the pelts on the wall over and over again. I ultimately want to win championships. I like guys who win championships. I'll take Tom Brady. Okay. All right. That's that's good for you. I mean, it's hard to argue that. That's hard to argue.
2: Uh, I, I understand it. Um, you know, of course, I think there's better quarterbacks out there. All right, so. Oh, I know, and oh, I know which I know. one you're going to take. No, I'm not. I'm not going now. there. I, listen, we there'll be a great quarterback in round two at pick 33. I'm not worried about it. There's more than 32 great quarterbacks for us to win a Super Bowl with with this great team. I'm not starting off with the quarterback. I'm going right away. I'm going LT. I'm going Lawrence Taylor. I'm going to the defense. I'm going to go to a special guy that plays like, Three different positions in one defense and outside linebacker can drop back into pass coverage. Could play stand up middle linebacker. I mean, whatever it is, freak of nature. I mean, going to change the way the offense plays you. I mean, look at this. Right, oh yeah, try to cut block him. Good luck, uh, Ron Jaworski. I mean, yeah. Oh hey, Jay Schrader. I mean, he and in, he invented like the two tight end set because of him. He changed the way offensive lines had to block. Because, as my dad would always explain, in those days the running back blocked the linebackers. The big people blocked the big people. Well, they found out in a hurry that you couldn't block that guy with a running back. So you had to put a big big person on him. So I'm going to go LT to start it off
1: all right uh th- this is painful to me because I want to say Walter Payton next but I got to take Barry Sanders I think you know Ooh. in his prime Barry Sanders was the best running back that ever played so give me Barry Sanders no question it- it's hard because I- I-, I I admired Walter Payton uh even as a as a Vikings fan in my youth and I thought he was the best running back ever at the time but Barry Sanders and he left a lot on the table he retired when he still had gas in the tank but uh you know the moves the stop the start the broken ankles just incredible and he he's that guy remember he would oh. he would maybe he would maybe John get Lynch. caught and lose 3 yards Or just, you know, if if you didn't get him behind the line of scrimmage, he was gone. Yeah, no, the,
2: the biggest big play running back we've ever seen in the history of football. You're right. There could have been three runs in a row for one yard, minus one and minus two. But then the next run was break seven ankles and, you know, turn on the afterburners and outrun everybody for a 60 yard touchdown. That's what's amazing. It's I mean, all the long touchdown runs he had. For a guy that's supposed to be like quick and accelerate and all that, he had great long speed. Um, amazing. Amazing football player. Uh, I'm not mad at you there. All right. I think here, I'm um, ooh, I'm not sure what I'm going to go here. I, I'm going to go with Jerry Rice here. I am. I'm going to go with Jerry Rice. I'm going to get a wide receiver that's just got no weakness, and can run every route in the world, can do things yards after catch, anything like that. I mean, Rice to me is just, you can't miss with him at the wide receiver position he can do it all I mean he can run the Wes Welker short routes at a really high level and as you see here he can run pipe run by people and I grew up you know watching him run by people uh whether it's deep speed or whatever else I mean the ultimate professional gonna know how to play read coverages look at that bouncing off Carl Mecklenberger and everybody else I mean phenomenal phenomenal football player I think that was Steve Atwater he bounced off of
1: Okay, and look, I I wrestled with which receiver I'd want first, but now that you've taken one, I'm going to go ahead and wait for a while to take mine. I have yet to address the defense, and uh, you, you've got the greatest pass rusher of all time in Lawrence Taylor. I'll take the greatest corner of all time in Deion Sanders. Yeah. Because I, I know that the ball isn't going to be thrown to half of the field ever if you have Deion in his prime and you put him on punt return duty, you're good to go. Maybe he plays a little offense too in his prime, prime time in his prime I'm surprised he lasted as long as he did
2: yeah he would have been coming up really quick for me there's, there's no doubt about that Um, I mean yeah he's a great first pick there's nobody ever played man-to-man coverage better than Deion Sanders and like when you draft him of course it gives you a lot of leeway like we've talked about with great corners in football right now to do other things you know with the rest of the defense you don't necessarily have to be perfect wait this guy locks us down and now we can find a lot of different ways to stop stop all the other uh other stuff there so uh i'm 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 with you there i think he would have been my next pick for sure okay i'm stuck here i really am um Man, I'm thinking about doing something crazy here. I really am. I, I'm, I'm oh, going quarterback here. I'm going quarterback, and surprise. I'm just going to tell you, I'm almost in the mold of I'm, I'm actually contemplating whether to go Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers. I don't know which one I want to go with. I know.
1: Mahomes isn't in his prime yet. I, I, I That's, that's wh- the
2: thing. That's where I want to pick him because I want to go, like, you know, I think six, eight years from now we're going to look back at it and go, we've never seen a prime anything like this guy's prime I'm gonna go with the homes I am I'm gonna go with it I know I can't believe I'm doing that to my O Aaron Rodgers but I'm, I'm a little bit picking on the guy of like what I'm expecting here in the future too and I just continue I think it's going to continue to be awesome and awesomer you know, he's got a great way about him. You talked about Brady and what he can do for the locker room and lead and all those type of stuff. Mahomes has a lot of those qualities too. There's no doubt. He's young, of course, still, and still developing some of that stuff. But, man, it's hard. I, 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 we've never seen anybody come into the league and take the league by storm like Patrick Mahomes has. This is a pretty special story, and, you know, he does have the talent uh, to be the greatest, the greatest quarterback to ever live. There's no doubt.
1: I mean, think about it. But for a coin flip in overtime, he could possibly be working on three straight Super Bowls in three years as a starter. Yeah, that's right. right. I mean, that's and, and 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 if they had decided uh, to go with him as a rookie, who knows? Who knows? Be working on four yeah. in a row, right? So, uh, and 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 again, the prime's not there yet. So uh, he's only going to get better, presumably. Uh, okay, um, I got to have somebody block i know tommy i know i gotta have i I gotta go with anthony muñoz lt is i gotta go i I, I gotta put anthony i gotta put anthony i gotta put anthony muñoz and help yeah uh to to keep lawrence taylor from getting after tom brady although you know what bring bring lt around the side tom brady can deal with the pressure around the side it's pressure up the middle it's a problem see you should have taken aaron donald instead of lawrence taylor so uh, either way I'll take Anthony Munoz to slow down Lawrence Taylor.
2: Aaron Donald is on my list though, for sure. I mean to me he is one of the greatest. Oh, he's de- on mine too. Yeah, he's one of the greatest defensive players ever. Uh, so th- he might be coming up here. Warren I mean, Sapp's
1: going to text you ooh, if you take I know. Aaron Donald well, he's on my
2: list too actually. Warren Sapp, John Randall, there are other defensive tackles that are on my list here. I I mean, hey listen, Anthony Munoz versus LT. I mean, uh, eat your eat your popcorn, you know, emoji right there ten out of ten, who you saying? who's gonna win that battle? Ten times they go out against each other. I know.
1: Woo! Seven to LT. Oh, it's going six seven and a half to LT.
2: Okay, yeah, I'm gonna give right? him the edge too. I'm gonna
1: go six, six to
2: four or something yeah. like that. Well,
1: he's gonna, he's gonna go ten out of ten on everybody else, Matt Casey. <laughs> At least Anthony Munoz has a chance.
2: Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, that's funny. All right, well, you know what? I'm gonna make you readjust your offensive line thoughts because he's still on the board. And this might arguably be the best defensive player in the history of football. Reggie White. I'm going to go with Reggie White. Fine. Hey, one thing I know is if you pressure Tom Brady with the front four, he's not very good. We got a good two right now. I know that. So I'll go with Reggie. I mean, to me, Reggie is definitely the greatest down lineman in the history of football. Defensive, like, put your hand on the ground. You know, LT's an outside linebacker. But for that guy, man, Reggie White, D-tackle, defense end, unbelievable power but speed of a really special pass rusher at 320 pounds and used to scare me when he would go after my dad you know right. twice a year
1: we're to take a break maybe we'll come back and do some more. my
2: team is better tomorrow. i like my team woo it, baby it all
1: it all hinges it all hinges on whether or not we come up with a better idea for the draft tomorrow so in other words we'll be finishing this up tomorrow we'll be back with more pft live right after this Bill Belichick treats analytics like social media. He acts like he doesn't know they exist. He's keenly aware of their existence. Look, Chris, I I think he just acts like he has disdain for analytics because he doesn't want anyone to know how he actually uses them and when he deviates from them, like at the end of Super Bowl 49, when the analytics would say, call your time out, and he senses, nah, I'm going to hold on to it. Yeah. It's a balance. It's a balance.
2: I mean, yes, analytics certainly going on there in New England, but I think like too what he's trying to say is if like, you know, if you have good players with good fundamentals and good execution, the analytics will be good. You know, I think that, that that's a little bit of that old school approach they have up there. It's basics, it's fundamentals and that's what made them so good.
1: But he still uses them. Definitely. He just doesn't want anyone to know how he uses them. That's it for today. Enjoy your day. See you tomorrow.
3: See ya.